morning. When I, when I graduated from seminary, my first uh, pastorate was uh, in, in Longview, Texas. It, it was a uh, position of assistant pastor. And uh, it was com- coming to this church, going to that church was a very big step of faith because uh, I was almost completely self-supporting. So finances were, were very, very, very tight. I, I received a very, very small stipend. But, you know, this was a, a really good time of learning for us because we learned that uh, God was our provider in, in a way that we never would have ima- imagined. You know, we, were, we, we had everything we needed. We didn't have everything we wanted, but we had everything we needed. We always had food. We had a roof over our head. We were always able to to pay our bills on time, miraculously. And, uh, you know, the the amazing thing was whenever something unexpected came up, and and we all know that unexpected things come up very frequently, somehow God provided. It, it It was usually through the... The, the hearts of somebody God had stirred up, and they didn't even know they didn't even know what our need was a lot of times, and something would would come in. One one story that I that I want to tell this morning was uh, about our uh, our grandson Gideon. He was at this time I think about uh, seven or eight years old, and he received the Lord. He 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 became adopted into the family of God. And uh, in his church where they lived in Arizona, they were going to have this uh, baptism service. And not only were we invited to attend this service, I was invited to baptize my my grandson. And what a special privilege that invitation was. But we didn't have the money to, to do it. And um, our, our daughter called and talked to Chris, and I told Chris, well, just don't, don't say yes or no yet. Let's, let's pray about this. And that, that morning I went, I went to the office and I, I prayed. I, I struggled in prayer all morning long about what to do. And I really was given a sense of peace about it and, and felt like the Lord said, yeah, go ahead and do it. Make, make the commitment to, to go down there. And so I, I got online and I bought two airplane tickets. And, you know, I, I just thought, well, you know, the Lord's going to provide. Even if it's, you know, paying off a little bit of a, at a time, we're going to buy these tickets. The, the total price was $402, which we didn't have. But at lunchtime, I was going to go home and tell Chris about this. And so on the way in, I stopped by the mailbox Opened up the uh, the mail and you know how you get those letters sometimes that they they have fake checks in them. You know what I'm talking about? They they try to deceive you into thinking there's there's a check. Well, we got one of these that looked like that. But then I looked at the uh, return address and it was from a doctor in Kalispell where we had lived about five years prior. And I thought I, I actually said this out loud. I said, Lord, I suppose this is a check for four hundred and two dollars, right? I said that out loud. I opened it up, and guess what? It was a check for $404. $2 more than, the, than those tickets had cost. <laughs> um, 
And it, it brings tears in my eyes now just, just telling this, this story. But, you know, we learned that um, God is, is our provider. Um, it reminded me of a, of a verse in uh, Philippians, uh, Philippians 4.19, where it says, My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That that check for $404 was an overpayment that we had made that for some reason it took five years for them to uh, resolve that and get us our, our money back. Now, I've got to say, I don't get a check in the mail whenever something comes up. <laughs> That's... You know, that, that was a very rare thing. But, uh, God did the unexpected on many, many occasions when we, when we were there. We never went out where we never went without, you know, and we learned a couple lessons. One was to be content. Um, the second was to really learn to put our trust in God's provision. You know, it was, it was a time when, we learned that, uh, you know, we might not always be comfortable with his timing. In fact, it seemed like uh, his, his blessings never came early, but they didn't come late either. They, they came just in time. He always provided. And, you know, we learned that as, as, our, as, as uh, God's beloved children, we can go to him with, with our requests. Uh, we're going to uh, continue on in the Lord's Prayer today. We're going to look at verses 11 and 12 of Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to see that we can go to our Heavenly Father as His children. We're going to look at three things. Food, forgiveness, and fellowship. So let's, let's again read this prayer together, if, if you would stand. I'm, I'm going to be reading out of the uh, New King James Version. Starting in chapter 9, uh, in this matter, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, you can read with me, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You can sit down now. So remember this this model prayer that Jesus gives us starts out, Our Father, Our Father. You know, it begins with a, a focus on our Father. It begins with a, a, a longing for God. He's, he's worthy of our worship. You know, our, our desire should be that His will is done. We, it's our desire for His lordship and, and kingship in our lives and in our community. You know, we, we come back today to our relationship with our Father. This, this is a focus on, on sonship, his sons and daughters, his children. Yeah, we're, we're beloved children of God, it says in Ephesians 4. And Jesus reminds us that we can go to our Heavenly Father and ask him for what we need. In Matthew 7, 7 through 11, Jesus says this, he says, Ask, And it will be given to you. 
Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Sonship. Amen. You know, with, uh, with this in mind, we know that as his children, we can pray, Father, our Father, give us this day our, our daily bread. And, you know, there's a lot we can say about this very simple request. You know, first, let's look at the time frame. He, he uses this word daily. You know, he says each day. Each day, you know, let's, let's live our lives one day at a time as, as we trust our Father to supply our needs. Each morning starts a new day. Uh, and and I, I think God is very merciful in this arrangement. Uh, you know, we, we, we have the privilege of starting each day fresh. You know, I, I find that yesterday's problems diminish when I get a good night's sleep and I start out a, a new day. You know, uh, in, in Lamentations, the, the author says, the author Jeremiah says, your mercies are new every day. Great is your faithfulness. The emphasis of this statement, give us our, our daily bread, I, I believe is uh, living one day at a time like this, not being worried, not being fretful about the future, the, the days to come. And although it's good, you know, it's good for us to plan for the future, isn't it? It's, it's wise. There's, there's much wisdom in that. And it's good for us to have a vision of the future. That's wise. We don't have to find ourselves anxious about the future. <laughs> yeah, I notice that uh, this, is, this is an issue for me sometimes when I wake up in the middle of the night and I, and I can't get back to sleep. People tell me that's, uh, that's something that we enjoy more, insomnia, as, as we grow older. But I've come, <laughs> I've come to the point to where when I wake up like that and I can't sleep, it doesn't do me a bit of good to worry about it. It doesn't do me a bit of good to worry about how tired I'm going to be the next day. What the Lord has trained me to do through those times is to pray, especially interceding for, for other people. Uh, other people, you know, praying about other people. So I find that in my mind when I wake up and can't get back to sleep, it's because God has something for me to do in, in prayer. It's a very nice opportunity for, uh, for quiet time with, with the Lord. So that's much more productive than, than worrying. I don't need to fret about tomorrow. I've got a father who cares deeply for me. But yet this is something we struggle with. We all fret. Jesus has a word about anxiety, about how we need to trust in God for, for provision for the future. Later on in the chapter, he, he talks about how the, the birds, they don't worry about it. They don't have to work. They just eat. They, God provides food for them. The, the flowers are arrayed. In much more beauty and splendor than kings, he says. They don't sow, they don't weep. Uh, 
they don't worry. God takes care of them. And if he cares for the birds and and the flowers, how much more does he care for his children who he loves deeply? Now, as an aside, I know people who worry about the birds and whether they'll be able to eat. I won't say any more about that. In verse 34 of that, that chapter, though, Jesus says this. He says, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, uh, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, let's, let's worry about today. Let's not even worry about today. Let's just be concerned and focus on what's going on today. Today's problems are, are, are sufficient. You know, each morning brings a new day. Each day is a fresh new gift from, from our Father who loves us. And we need to seek him daily for today's needs. Seek him daily for what he has to us for, for that day. You know, this is, this is our daily bread. Our daily bread is that which is necessary for our existence. It's not only uh, physical needs, but it's also spiritual needs. Our daily bread, we, Jesus talks about his bread is to do the will of the Father. The, God's word is spoken of as our bread, our, our sustenance. But Jesus is telling us to pray, Father, Give us what we need to live this day. Give us what we need to live this day. But we want security. We, we want a full storehouse, don't we? You know, it's, it's easy to trust God when our, our wallets are fat and our, our bank accounts are full, when our pantries are full. We have a hard time in, in our own power being content when there's any sort of uncertainty about the future. But listen to what the Apostle Paul says in this, in this regard. He says, I've learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. You know, the point is that God sustains us daily, and, and we need to trust him to do so. So, you know, we, we, can't, we can't visit this, this verse about daily bread without going back to Exodus and looking at God's people as they were wandering in the desert and how God provided for them daily. You know, what, what their bread was, you all know the story. It was, it was manna that God would give to his people every day. And it was kind of an interesting arrangement he had there. He, God said, well, don't, don't gather up any more than what you need for today. If you get, in fact, if you do, if you gather up some thinking that's what you're going to need for tomorrow, it's going to spoil, it's going to go bad. Don't worry about tomorrow, he says. I will provide for you tomorrow as, as well. That was in Exodus 16, 15 through 18. You know, and many of us face a future that is, is less than... Uh, comfortable uh, for for us it's you know finding a permanent housing solution and, and we're we are learning to trust God with that we don't know what what tomorrow holds for us none of us do but God provided for his people in in the wilderness he'll provide for us he'll sustain us for each day Let's, let's trust him to do the same for us. 
Now, this model prayer continues in, in the same vein, the same, the same idea in sonship. We can, we can approach our Father who loves us and ask him for his forgiveness. Jesus, in this, this prayer, says, forgive us our debts. Now, when Jesus gave his uh, disciples this word in, in the uh, Gospel of Luke, Luke uses a different word. He, he says, forgive us our sins. So this this debt that Matthew is talking about is is a uh, it's a it's an obligation in a in a moral sense you know forgive us our our debt of sin when we approach God in prayer we need to come to him with our faults we need to come to our our father with our failures and and approach him with an attitude of confession you know what is what does this require it requires that we are honest enough to when we look at ourselves, we realize that uh, we, we do fall short. We do sin. John, in, in one of his epistles, talks about that. He says, if, if we say we don't sin, we're, we're deceiving ourselves. But since we do sin, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It requires that we acknowledge our sin. It, re- it requires a, 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 an attitude and a heart of humility. Because, why? Because we always want to feel like we're right. We do no wrong. We need to approach God with, with humility. That's why in Second Chronicles 7.14, God talks about his people called by his name, humbling themselves and, and praying. Now, I remember when uh, we had kids... You know, parents are pretty perceptive, much more so than the kids will, will realize. And, you know, I remember when our kids would, would do wrong, we could just see it in their face. And we'd ask them, you know, did you do this or, or whatever, you know? And uh, they say, well, no, no. But it was really obvious that uh, they did. They just had too much pride, even as small children, to, to fess up. To, to acknowledge and, and confess. You know, as parents, we want them to admit their offenses so that we can, we can teach them, teach them good character and teach them to be godly people. You know, not, not to smack them down, but to, to build them up. You know, we, we want our children to uh, be free from uh, falsehood. We want our children to be free from uh, damaging pride, which will plague them as adults if they don't learn as children. You know, it's our desire that our parents would not uh, fool themselves in, into thinking that uh, what they do is right if it's wrong, or or that it doesn't matter if it's wrong. You know, we don't want them to be disobedient or or prideful. This is God. This is something that God expects of all of us. Uh, you know, that if we're to live a life that's pleasing to him, we need to turn from pride. We need to turn towards a life that's filled with the, with the spirit and, and his truthfulness. You know, if we, if we lack the ability to confess sins, as John says, we're, we're deceiving ourselves. We're not going to grow. We're not going to grow. Rather than being fruit bearers, we're going to be stuck in the, uh, the barrenness of, uh, self-deception and self-satisfaction. You know, we need to be people of confession. We need to be people who keep a short account with our Lord. Max Licato, 
writes about confession. He says, confession does for the soul what preparing the land does for the field. Before the farmer sows the seed, he works the acreage, removing the rocks and pulling the stumps. He knows that he knows that the seed grows better if the land is prepared. Confession is the act of inviting God to walk the acreage of our hearts. There's a rock of greed over here. Father, I can't budge it. Here's, here's a tree of guilt over here uh, near the fence. Its, its roots are long and deep. And may I show you some dry soil, Lord, too, too crusty for seed. And God's seed grows better if the soil of the heart is cleared. That's what confession does for us. The Bible speaks a lot of confession. And in one of the Psalms, Psalm 32, David talks about this. And he talks about what happened, what his experience was when he sinned and he did not confess. Starting in verse 1, he says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is a man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. Listen to this. He says, when, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So David, in this psalm, he, he talks about the joy of, of being forgiven, the joy of, of going to God and confessing and, and having restoration of, of his relationship with God. You know, he says in his experience that if, if we don't confess, we're going to experience sorrow and, and groaning and, and spiritual dryness. You know, he, he speaks from experience. He went through this. When he kept silent, it says his bones wasted away. He, he felt the Lord's heavy hand on him. His, his strength was gone. He, he shriveled with unconfessed sin. And finally, though, when he confessed, not hiding it, God forgave him. So if we don't confess our sins... What are we doing? Like David, we're, we're living a lie. We're, we're, we're covering up our, our true state. We're, we're putting on a facade. We're, we're, we're pretending. We're, we're being hypocrites. Uh, I, I read a really interesting story. It was about a town in Ireland. And this, this town spent a lot of time and effort and a lot of money sprucing up the town uh, to, to make its image really good for some uh, special guests who are coming. On June 17th and 18th, 2013, the world's eight most powerful leaders gathered in the town of Enniskillen, Ireland, for the G8 summit. In preparation for the special guests, which included President Barack Obama, German Chancellor Angela Merkel, uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin, the town put up fake storefronts on, on shuttered businesses. Uh, D, D. Keenan, the reporter for the, the Irish Times, reports on this, this image conscience uh, village that was 
that, that filled the shop front windows with, with a picture of what business used to look like before these businesses went bankrupt or, or closed. You know, in other words, the, uh, the grocery shops, butcher shops, pharmacies, etc., placed large photographs in the windows so that if you drove past and glanced in the windows, it, it looked like a thriving business. Well, this is what we are like when we have unconfessed sin. We, we have a false front. Uh, Jesus uses that word hypocrite earlier when he, when he talked about people with, with false motives. A hypocrite is a play actor. Remember, a, a, a pretender, a person who tries to look good, but you know the substance isn't there. The joy of salvation is, is not there. So confession needs to be a, a, a very regular part of our lives, our daily lives, our regular prayer life. This is part of sonship. You know, we're, we're God's children, and we can come to our Heavenly Father and say, Lord, forgive me. I've, I've failed. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our, our sins. Restore me to, to a, a life of fullness and, and joy. And we can be assured that our Heavenly Father will forgive us. He will grant us that, that forgiveness that, that we need so bad. So, you know, forgiveness is a restoration of this relationship that we need so desperately with, with God, our Heavenly Father. Now, Jesus next brings in the idea of our forgiveness towards other people. You know, our, our relationship with others is very important to God, and it's something that needs to be important to us so much that we bring our relationships with other people before God. This is something we really need to bring with him. So the, the third thing is praying for fellowship. So we've got food, forgiveness, now fellowship. As, as, we for, as, as God forgives our debts, let us forgive others, uh, our, our debtors. Uh, you know, by the, by the finished work of the cross, God offers forgiveness of our sins. Our sins have been paid in full. None of us has, has reached sinless perfection. Uh, we still fall short so many times. You know, though, though the penalty has been taken away, the, the influence of sin is still there. We submit to the Holy Spirit to continually work with us, conforming us to the image of Christ. You know, just as, as God has forgiven us, we need to be willing to forgive others. Uh, is, is this something that we're really good at? I don't think so. I think we all have trouble with this. You know, we, we need, though, to be forgiving of those who have wronged us. Uh, but we tend to hold grudges, don't we? Uh, you know, maybe... Maybe we feel like we have forgiven something or somebody and, and then something comes up that reminds us and those, those feelings of, of resentment and bitterness just flow back. What do we do? How do we handle that? We need the Lord. We need to, we need to bring this to, to the Lord. As, as, as you have forgiven us, Lord, let, let me forgive 
this this other person. We we need the love of God to flow through us. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in order to be able to live up to this. Uh, Corey Ten Boom uh, gives gives a really great testimony on on the difficulty of of forgiving, and how the love of God uh, in her gave her strength and uh, the the ability to overcome unforgiveness. Corey Ten Boom was uh, a, a Dutch woman who was put in a, a German concentration camp because she she and her family had uh, offered assistance and hid some Jewish refugees during World War II. Uh, later on, in, in 1947, this happened to her. It, I was in a church in Munich when I was speaking in 1947, and I saw him. A balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. One moment I saw the overcoat and the, the brown hat, and the next the blue uniform and, and the visored cap with its skull and crossbones. Memories of the concentration camp came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment of skin. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fräulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And it was, she says, it was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. He was saying, I was a guard there, but since that time, he went on, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fräulein. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I just stood there. I couldn't. Betsy had died in that place. Could, could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? <laughs> it, it could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out to but for me, it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I'd ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who've injured us. If you do not forgive this man of his trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Still I stood there with coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is an act of will, and, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me. She, she prayed silently. I can lift my hand, but I, I can do that much, but you, you're going to need to supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me, and as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my, my shoulder, racing down my arms, sprang into joined hands, and this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. 
And for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Let's, let's remember the words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4, verses 31 and, and 32. He says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So people are going to fail us. That's a fact. People are going to hurt us. We are going to be disappointed in in others. And we're going to fail others. We're we're going to cause them pain. You know, we we need to seek forgiveness from others. and, And we, as God's children, need to extend forgiveness and love to to each other. And we can't do this on our own. Again, we need God's help. We need the Spirit of God to empower us to forgive. That's why Jesus includes us in this prayer, this model prayer he gives us. You know, it's only when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit that we can be people who forgive. The Holy Spirit, the very presence of God in us as his children we can pray this with, with all sincerity. Forgive us our debts as we forgive others. Let's, let's pause and let's, let's, let's close in prayer. Um, our Father, uh, as, as, as your grateful and, and beloved children, uh, through the Lord Jesus, and, and in, in Jesus' name, we, we ask you to give us each day our, our daily bread, Lord. Give us what we need to live today. Let us not be anxious and, and fretful about tomorrow. Uh, as, as your children, knowing that you are a, a forgiving and, and loving Father, we, we do seek your forgiveness. And give us the strength, give us the love the love that we can only have as, as your love flows through us to be people who not only confess, but who forgive others, Lord. Let your love flow through us, Lord. Um, help us to recognize and see where there are uh, relational issues that, that need to be resolved, uh, relationships that, that need to be restored, Lord. Uh, let us be just as forgiving as you are. Amen.